ATV Talk, the podcast. Sit down with your host industry professional, Leonard Duncan, as the men and women from the ATV world bring their behind-the-scenes stories to life. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. Chad Weenan, how are you, sir? Hey, good, Lenny. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Hey, thanks for taking some time with ATV Talk. I know being a seven-time champ and still racing and having a full-time program really is a lot of work. And um, I want to just reach my heart out to you and tell you thank you so much. I've watched your career from a distance for many, many, many years. Yeah, uh, thank you. And, uh, you know, I, I enjoy to take the time and kind of, you know, reminisce and, you know, bench race about, uh, you know, the things that I've encountered and I have a lot of questions, you know, to ask you too. And I'm very interested in, you know, what you have done, uh, throughout your, your career and with, uh, with your racing as well. Well, you know, it's, I can tell you this, Chad, I can't see myself in any other world. And I love ATV racing, whether we're racing in the parking lot on nineties or we're out at the nationals in the big show doing, doing the real deal. And, um, yeah, certainly. And yeah, certainly. And, you know, I, I feel the same way. I got a strong passion for it. And then, you know, being able to compete, you know, for as long as I have and being able to win seven championships and I still have a strong drive as, as as strong as I did when I started. And, you know, I just, I, I enjoyed this as much as you do. I think you've come a long way, man, because I remember back when you were, when you were just a tear, I mean, you, you couldn't keep a machine underneath you. You rode so hard. And it seems to me from watching some yeah, of yeah. Teams, and, and looking at the things that you have gained a bunch of finesse. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I used to think that you had to ride that thing as hard as you could and, um, you know, to win and couldn't win. You had to ultimately try to win that championship at the end of the year. And, um, a lot of little battles, uh, add up to the end, end goal of winning the war. Exactly. I mean, back when, I don't even remember where we were and I was working on Tavis Kane's machine and you were riding a Honda and we were having a conversation there in the pits. Did you ever dream that it would go where it's gone? Honestly, like, yeah, I hoped it, but I like being a small town guy and not getting into racing. And I really didn't, honestly, I didn't think, but I wanted it and I kept working at it. And, you know, we're, we're having a really bad connection. Chad, can you hear me? All right, Lenny. Uh, yeah, you better. What were, what were you saying there, Lenny? That whole section you were just telling me about was uh, was garbled. I couldn't. I couldn't. <laughs> catch it. Yeah. All right. I can. Uh, I can repeat that. That's fine. No problem. All right. Let's see. Here, we got my video to work a little bit. There you go, buddy. Yeah. So you're driving the rig down to um, Florida to train. Yes, sir. Yeah, just um, we we left uh, yesterday morning around eight o'clock, and we're making our trip down. We're about uh, two hours away now. So, 
we well, have a home. We have a home there in Daytona Beach. Oh, that's pretty awesome, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Do you spend um, a lot of the season down there, or do you just spend the the beginning before it kicks off? So we spend. Uh, so we're here from now until June. So we spend quite a bit of time here. Wow. Um, How's it? What's it like traveling with your uh, with your baby? Uh, it's really good now. Like right now, like he's he's really into like reading books, and you know, we let him uh, play like some games here and there. But like he's he likes to see like the trucks on the road, the all the construction, you know, equipment along the road. That's awesome. So you were telling me about uh, you were telling me about. No, not yeah, just, having the, the the usual start from like some of the young guys that that have come through the ranks, you yeah, have to just, do it as an older guy. Yeah, just kind of starting late, and then, you know, obviously, yeah, I, I wanted to ultimately get to, you know, be a professional uh, rider and be able to make like a, a living at this, and um, you know, I worked hard at that, and you know, just having a lot of like friends and family really supporting and. Uh, you know, obviously the people in the industry and sponsors and helped me along the way. And, you know, everybody that you do meet, it's like, it's, you carry that with you, you know, wherever you go and you try not to lose those relationships and, uh, you know, just keep continuing to build. And, um, you know, I think that's a, a very special thing about the sport that, uh, that we're a part of. I think the relationship thing is huge because, you know, there, I still talk to people that I've been when I was a young man, just entering the sport, uh, people like Jimmy White and uh, Tim Orchard from OMF, these are the guys that that were around, you know, when my brother was doing it with Marty. I know it wasn't a ton of years, but it, it was a five or six year gap. Um, and, and they just took me right in and, and showed me the showed me the ropes. It was awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you need people like that. You know, I kind of when I came into the sport, like uh, Timmy Farr was my, one of my biggest fans and, you know, watching how like Mark Baldwin and him work together, like I wanted to be on that spot one day and I, you know, they, he just set a, a good standard for, you know, for me to try to achieve a goal to try to be in his shoes one day. Well, I was talking with somebody the other day and you're one of the last of the old guard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's um it feels weird because you know a lot of the people that I grew up racing with like they're they're not around at the sport but we're still friends and you know it's I honestly I don't feel that old but you know time does fly by when you know you're having a great time and enjoying the moments and you know I wish that a lot of the riders could experience, you know, what I've been able to experience and also like ride with some of the greats of like, you know, the Doug Gus, the Jeremiah Jones, the Natalies, the birds and, you know, great riders like that. And, you know, this, the competition was so deep back then that it was so fun to race against those guys and try to improve yourself to, their, their stature one day. Well, it's helped make you the man you are and, and push you to the level that you're at. Um, you've, you've made quite a, a bit of this, uh, not by yourself, but 
your team is ran by you and owned by you. And, and that's, uh, that's pretty awesome that you've, you've learned the business and learned how to make your package work. Yeah. Uh, thanks Lenny. And you know, it's just, I don't know, like the people that I've had like along my side, like uh, Ryan Cox, Paul Turner, Mike Walsh, you know, just going all the way back to Jimmy White, you know, how he ran the team and like learning from how they did things and, you know, how well they did it. And, you know, going back to Suzuki, you know, the Henson family, like, man, like great, great people. And, you know, uh, they just aspire me to be better every day. And, you know, it's a lot of work to, to be able to do that. But man, like at the end of the day, like how important is it to you to try and go out and win championships and, and uh, put your life on the line, you know, ultimately. And, you know, I put a lot of, a lot of like trust in, you know, myself and the things that I've learned along the way. And it's, it's a combination of like, you know, weighing your, your time and using it wisely is uh, probably the toughest thing to do. Like right now, you know, having a, a two and a half year old child and we got one more on the way coming in February. So. Well, the, congratulations. I didn't know that. That's pretty awesome. Uh, thank you. And, and it's, uh, it's, you know, it's getting to that time of, you know, just, I really enjoy spending time with my son and, you know, it's a cool age right now, like where he's, he's learning so much and he, he loves to do what Papa does. And, you know, I, I, I'm just looking forward to, you know, spending a lot of time with him. And then I want to be like a good role model for him. I want him to be able to see, you know, what, how we built our family and, you know, just the, the fun that we've had, you know, along the way. And hopefully we can share moments like that in the future. So what I'm hearing is that there's a good possibility that the, the young man may come through the ranks uh, on the ATV world. Yeah. You never know. Like, honestly, like I'm a true believer of letting them choose their own path because my dad allowed me to do that. He never pushed me in one way or the other. He always supported me and that's what I want to do for him. And, you know, if he chooses to play golf, play basketball, play football, racing, whatever, we're going to support and, you know, just be there for him. Speaking of football, I heard that you were quite the football player. Yeah, like that was my true passion when I was growing up and, you know, the, the team sports and, you know, just growing up in a small town, like that's where your friends were. Like, you know, your teams that you were on, you had, you had, uh, you know, 15 of your friends that you guys did everything together. You played football, you played basketball, you played baseball, you did everything together. And, you know, you, you just create such strong friendships. And, you know, I took a different path once I graduated because that's when I really started getting into racing, you know, in my, my late, my mid teens. And, you know, I just really, uh, I enjoyed that at the time. And that's kind of the direction that I went after high school and, you know, I'm really glad I did, but, you know, I have always said that if, if racing didn't pan out, I would go back to college and try to not necessarily be like a football player, but just enjoy, you know, that time that I still had left in my youth to play football and possibly, but the racing part paid off. And, you know, in high school, we, uh, we won the state championship my senior year and, uh, there was about, there was about 
five years where we had actually six years. I'm sorry, six years where we we had won uh, three uh, state championships. So it was a, a very good run for a high school, and you know that that's what you wanted to be when you were, you know, in in grade school. You're going to football games and enjoying that those moments of like good football programs. And, you know, that's what you wanted to do when you were in high school. Like you wanted to strive to be on a state championship football team. And it was very cool that we were at a great group of guys to go out and achieve that goal. What position did you play? I was, so I, I was a right tackle on offense and linebacker on defense. And uh, defense was my true my true passion with that. Like I, I love to, uh, be the aggressor and, you know, I, I enjoyed that part. That's pretty good. Lauren, Lauren, my brother, he was yep. a, a really good linebacker and, uh, I played outside backer and line offensive line guard. Oh, cool. But, yeah. It's, <laughs> those, those times are so much fun. It's awesome to look back on and, um, you know, uh, was that just, uh, did you play in high school? Well, I quit playing football after my senior year because I was the smallest guard in the league and that's where they wanted me to play. Okay. So when I go to the, the JC to think about playing football, my brother's friends with the guy that's the starting guard, he's six, five, 265 pounds and towers over me. Like I'm a midget. Huh. And I decided right then, yeah, I don't think I'm big enough to do this anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's tough. My brother went on to play, uh, to play college football and great hands, but man, like it's a totally different level. Once you get to, uh, the college level where they're plucking the best guys from all over the place to come and play. And they're pretty, uh, pretty amazing talents. It is, it, you know, it's It's kind of like the racing world, the guys that rise to the top, like yourself, yeah. Oh yeah. you know, I mean, yeah. there's a couple of good guys that miss out because of opportunities, but for the most part, the, the guys with the true passion are the ones that, that always rise to the top. Uh, definitely. Yeah, certainly. And, uh, you know, it's, I don't know, sometimes things just click and I, I, I know exactly when it clicked for me, but I don't know how it did like just to make it to that next level. And, you know, back in, uh, I think it was like 2007, 2006, I got, a, I got whooped up on, um, the last round of the year. Like I was, I felt like it, I was off the machine for a year and, I hadn't been out. I've been racing all year long and I went and I just hit the gym as hard as I could all winter long and came out in 2007. And I, I was probably, you know, before that I was a mid pack guy. Sometimes like a top 10 was really good for me. And what, that year I jumped up and I was a race winning contender and it's just a lot of hard work and um, right place, right time with the sponsors. And I caught a ride with Suzuki early, early in the race season in 2007. And man, it's just been a, a, an awesome ride all the way through. Even my injury in 2011, I broke my back, you know, like I've learned so much since, you know, your falls and that's what it's all about. You know, you got to have um, those bad times that actually make you stronger. And that's, that's been a, it's been a learning curve all the way through. And I still learn things today. And, you know, it's, that's what's the, the most fun about uh, being able to do this. 
My brother said something to me when I started working for him full time back in 1990. Granted, I worked for the company before then when my dad ran it. But in 1990, on day one, he goes, you got to remember this. I know nothing and you know less. As long as we keep that in mind as we go, we'll always be successful. Yeah, those are really good words. Uh, yeah, I, I still use it to this day when I talk to people because, you know, you really don't know anything. The more you know, the more you realize that you don't know this or you don't know that. And, you know, oh, yeah. The, the onset of fuel injection in 2006 changed our world. Yeah, it, it definitely did. And I think still, still there are people today that are afraid of it. It's pretty wild. What makes you think that... What makes you think that the people that don't work on it aren't afraid of it too? Because it, it expands so rapidly and there's so many different levels to it. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I, uh, I put my hands in it, you know, I do some stuff, but like, uh, my main, uh, engine builder and, uh, I actually just changed, uh, tuners this year to, uh, Jamie over at PP performance tuning and, he took over a lot of the reins and brought some good stuff to our program. And like the way he, he works with that, like he's got the most confidence I've ever seen, like in tuning and, you know, that's, that's a skill in itself. And, and, you know, it's a, it's a lost art of like going back to like the two strokes and how good like Curtis Sparks was with, you know, tuning Shane hits stuff. And, you know, it's like, it was pretty cool. Like I seen some photos of uh in 2019 i believe when they had the the ashtabula like reunion race there and like seeing uh like shane and and curtis there and you know mark baldwin and you know just very cool to see like because that's like that's like a picture in a magazine that i would have saw back in the you know 90 late 90s and early 2000s that's what i would have seen and it was like a flashback in the past I know Lauren and I wanted to go to that, but we just, uh, we just couldn't work it out. You know, it's just our, our, our business right now is just, it's pinging off the walls. I mean, I can't believe how busy we are. That's, <laughs> I think that's with anything really doing outdoors. It's really doing well. And, you know, as bad as this is, and that's, it brings, it brings a little good out of it, but you know, it's, it's very good that, you know, our, our market can do well and because there's been times where it hasn't done well. So it's, it's a give and take, but yeah, you know, I'm, a little, uh, I'm a little worried about it because um, my, my little knowledge with the factories is uh, Honda still hasn't put anything out on the plane, out on the playing field and Yamaha's 2021s are late. Yeah. They're late. Just pulled back from the, like the COVID and having, you know, less staff and, but uh, they'll be they'll be out with their 21 unit coming. They said sometime in January here. So that's um, good because I have a line yeah. of customers that are waiting. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's good. And um, you know, we need uh, another manufacturer to jump back in the game, and you know, to to bring that uh, that rivalry and like everybody pushing themselves to make their stuff better and. You know, with Yamaha, yeah, it's great they're still in it, but we need more players in the game to help progress things and, you know, competition. I agree. I totally agree. I was so, I'm really hoping that, that Honda or somebody will come back 
and, and do it. Or, you know, maybe you see a KTM come back. I don't think Can-Am will, but you should. I would really be great if somebody could just step up. Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, I think, I think honestly, you need somebody within Honda or Suzuki that is, has an ATV background that is like their, their, their voice in their ear to like, Hey, like you need to do this. Uh, there's a market there. There's like, it's kind of like the Donnie Luce or the Bruce Ogilvy, you know, of Honda, you know, like he had a strong passion for it. And I think he really propelled, you know, Honda racing and for them to come out with an ATV and, and have it as long as they did. So we really need to have those people within those companies that are passionate about it and help push it along. I agree. I agree. We miss Bruce all the time because yeah. that guy, he always had knowledge. Always. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. And Donnie, Donnie has so much history as well. Um, I was telling somebody on a, on a conversation we were having not too long ago about when I was racing, Donnie was racing three wheelers and, uh, we raced a, a GP in Paris and, uh, the guy passed me like I was tied to a fence post. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, man, I, I couldn't imagine like, uh, in that era. Yeah. It's normal for them and they, they loved it. But like, I know my dad had a three-wheeler and I, I, like I rode with him. I rode along with him and we, we had, uh, we had a couple tip overs and, you know, it's like, I look back at, it, I'm like, ah, I really don't want to throw a leg over that thing ever again. But I know that that was, that was their thing. And that's really cool. You know, and how they could tame that beast, you know? Well, and, and the fact that they're coming back. Yeah. Yeah, they are. It's, it's, an, it's amazing. Uh, I think the four strokes are making it easier to for them to ride, but people are still racing the 250R and, the, the the desire for that machine is unbelievable. And the two with the R's, like they're getting into, like they're getting back into like actually just going on riding them and having fun and kind of like a, a memory to have. And it brings back so many good memories. And I think that's like what this, uh, what we're going through like now with how you're saying, like they're growing so much. And, you know, like even with myself, like my, my friend of mine, you know, like we, we grew up and we both had two with the R's and, you know, he, he's, he's building it to be DR, like kind of like what he used to have. And I'm like, man, that's so cool. Like maybe I should uh, like try to do that. And I think, you know, when I'm done racing, I'm definitely going to have one of those because like, that was like a very cool machine. And like, you know, what I kind of didn't necessarily grow up riding, but I was like, that was a cool era of like machines. Well, it set the stage for where we are today. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, and that's if you if you think back and you look at the evolution back in 1969, I got my very first ride on a three wheeler with my dad. Yeah, that's a lot of years before you. I know. <laughs> no, that's pretty wild. Like this, um, you know, the different area that you lived in and, you know, and what you're going through today. And like, it's crazy how it revolutionized into like what it is today. Like it's, it's kind of mind blowing, I think. Well, when I sit down and I talk to my dad, 
he still has trouble believing that we were we would go get on an airplane and fly to different portions of the world to work on ATVs when he still sees it as a regional thing, you know, where we drove to South Bay, which is about 40 minutes south of us, or we drove, you know, 40 minutes to the north into Carlsbad and raced. Um, and and, and he, that was his world, you know? That's, yeah, it's pretty cool. And, you know, like you said, you know, being able to travel the world and, you know, just being able to do something that you love and see the world in the same, in the same time. And man, it's, I really, I really wouldn't change it for anything right now. That's awesome. I wanted to bring this up. I, I watching the 18, 19 and 20 seasons and going back and, and looking at Chad Weenan, you did something different going into 2020, 2020. Can you pinpoint what it was? Because it made a big difference in your overall finish. Um, you, in the things that I looked as fast as Joel was, you were just consistently better. Yeah. Like we made some good changes on the machine and, uh, you know, bringing Jamie in on PP forms tuning and, you know, even myself, like improving my training and like, I've been doing like a lot of like studies and I actually, I went plant-based vegan and it really kind of turned the clocks back for me where I felt five years younger, you know, like just by like eating, eating that well. And like, honestly, it's, it's been a, like, like what they say, like a game changer for me. And I know it's not for everybody, but man, it worked well for me. I know that. Do you think it's the age or do you think it's just the diet? Um, I mean, I think it's, I think it's everything like, you know, like 18, 19, like I, I started to feel my age and be like, man, like I get sore more, like I don't recover as fast. And, you know, it's been, um, it's been a, a, a learning curve. And then like, I started to slowly eat more uh, plant-based and then, you know, went a hundred percent into it. Uh, it's, you know, starting January one of last year. So I'm almost been a year on it and it's been, been really a big part of my program. And yeah, it is a life changing thing, but like once I've done it, I did it for a couple months. Like it was, it felt normal to me. So was there a transition period, uh, for your body? Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. And like, I think the biggest transition period was when I went to Argentina last year and like I put my body through some pretty high stressful like times like racing there. And then I was like, man, like maybe this isn't like going to work for me because like after that race, I, I was like, like as I was done, I was like, man, I was spent. And, but I kept with it and I just kind of fine tuned some things and like, some things that I wasn't getting from the like that diet, and I was able to substitute that with uh, you know, like the um, supplements, and then that's when I really found my like my baseline, and then I just kind of went from there. And like, that's pretty awesome that that you yeah. searched it that well and 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 experimented to get yourself to a higher level. 
if, yeah, you, look back, if you look back at the champions throughout ATV racing, and, and I'm not saying this about when you were younger, because there's a few phenoms like yourself and Jeremiah that were young to win championships. But if you look at most of the championships or champions across history, what's the one thing you find common in the ATV world? You got to be uh, smart and you got to have the, the time you put in. Age. You know, like ri- riders are putting in their time and their age and their smarts. And yeah, it's. Uh, Gary Glenn, when he retired, was 38 years old. That's that's incredible. And. You know, Bo Barron just won a championship on the West Coast at 40. I can yeah. championships in his late 40s. Yeah, it's, it's kind of mind-boggling because I'm not – I don't see myself, like, going into my 40s and still, like, competitively racing. Like, I've always thought that that was kind of like you get into your, you know, your late 30s, that's when you got to start thinking, like, hanging up your boots. But, like – the way I feel now, like maybe I can go into my forties and still have a strong desire and a strong drive and keep going. I mean, it's, it's hard saying, and you know, just, I'm just enjoying every day, every day I put in and just living it up. Let's go back in time or, or recent best race in your mind, in your mind. Oh man. Probably the best best race that I've had like recently was uh, twenty twenty season in Texas. Uh, the the third of the three motos that we did in two days, and I rode the best race that I've ever had, and I ended up I started like fourth, and I worked my way up, and Joel and I were battling, and. He uh, he knew it was a must-win situation for him, and I was able to pull it off and pass him for the lead two laps in, and I never never looked back. And just having that confidence of going out there and setting my goal and achieving it on a track that really didn't suit me, it was like more of a track that really suited him. And I think that was like the – that race won me the championship last year right there. You think it broke his spirit? I honestly think it did. Like, just the defeat that I saw in his face, like, after that race, like, I could tell that he knew that that was it. Unless, you know, obviously barring something happened, but he, he knew that he wasn't going to race. He wasn't going to win that. He wasn't going to win out and, you know, win the championship that way. <laughs> that's well racers no racers and you know expressions and you look in people's eyes and you can see either fear or confidence uh, yeah. depending on that's oh yeah that's pretty awesome so I, I, back in time you've had to have had some epic battles back in time oh uh, definitely and like i would say wpsa 2000 2007, uh, London, Kentucky. I won both. So we did double headers. So I won both of those at London, Kentucky. And like, I was just on a level that weekend. And I didn't matter where I started, didn't matter what, but I knew where I was going to finish. And I was out front both, both times 
on that weekend. And like, I think that was when I actually felt like a hundred percent comfortable on that machine and knowing like, I was like, okay, like I'm ready to go win on this thing and do it often. When you, when you talk to young riders and, and you, and you, you have to talk to them about highs and lows. What are some of the points, the tips that you give them about what they need to do to keep their mental focus? Um, I, I think the biggest thing is like always keep it fun. Like I know a lot of these younger riders, they put a lot of stress on themselves to go out and win and, and do that. Yes, that's important, but it's more important to go out there and enjoy and like have fun on your machine. And like, because you know, you're not having fun. You're not riding your best and, you know, just enjoy the moment and not look too far ahead. You know, I got a young rider that I'm working with. He, he just turned 17 years old, Max Lindquist, and he won every pro-am race last year that he competed in. And this kid's like, I see a lot of myself in him. And I just tell him like, man, like don't grow up too fast. Like enjoy your youth and, because, you know, before you know it, like this, this could be your job and uh, you got to enjoy that, that time that you have when you don't have like the stress of like paying your bills and, you know, and doing that. And so that's probably one of the biggest thing is just like enjoy and have fun and enjoy loving riding your ATV. That's you know, that sums it up pretty well, because if you're not having fun at it, you shouldn't be doing it. Oh, it's way too expensive. And, you know, like I see a lot of like parents that really push their kids and I could see it in the kid's eyes. Like it's not going to last long. And, you know, the, the kids that you can look at in their eyes and see that they have a strong passion for it. Those are the kids that, you know, they have the best chances of making it where like the parents don't push them too hard and they got, they got to want it. You know, that's, that's the skinny of it. Exactly. And, and, and you can't, you can't force it. You can't teach it. It's something that burns with inside you. Yeah, definitely. You know, those are the kids that, those are the, I'm sorry. Those are the kids that I most love working with, like teaching, you know, you can just tell the, you have to tell these kids to get off the track. And that's the difference. Like a kid that doesn't really want to be there. He's asking, Hey, can we take a break now? Like, you know, it's, it's like one of those things. It's, it just burns within them. And yeah, you just, you don't ever want to stop. And you know, I, <laughs> I, had sorry come, I had to come to terms with the difference between being a rider and a mechanic and the hardest thing for, for someone like myself was to choose. I knew I was never going to be that guy, you know, uh, but I knew that I could build a good machine. So I chose being a mechanic and uh, it, it, it's given me things that um, I think, you know, because you ride and work on them and you know, the, the, the satisfaction you get when you roll a machine out on the track and it does things that you never thought it could do. Yeah, it's, it's very cool in that aspect because you know how much time and work and blood, sweat and tears that you put into it. And like, you're just, 
you're just putting everything you got and all your knowledge into that machine that just sits there, that 390 pounds of, of material that's sitting there. And like, you know, when it, when you go out there and you achieve your ultimate goal, there's no satisfaction like it. Like, you know, being that I, I work on my own stuff and I prep it. And like, at the end of the day, it's extra special. Like when you go out there and you're the top step of the podium, like, like, wow. Like I have my hands on this thing and we did it together. And you know, it's, it's a very cool moment. I think the guys that don't work on their own machines don't have, don't understand what it's like. You know? <laughs> yeah, definitely not. I think it is like, it's an advantage, you know, for me to do that because I understand everything that's going on with the machine. Like, if, if I feel something in the suspension, like I know how it works. And if I hear something in the engine and I can feel the vibration of the machine, like be like, all right, that doesn't feel right. Like, you know, like things that you're so in tune with your machine, then that's why I'm able to get it work working as well as it does and how it works so well for me. You're not, you're not making a good case for having a mechanic in your, in your pit. <laughs> no, but hey, man, like, um, I've had a, a lot of great people like working for me, you know, like uh, Paul Turner, you're very well aware of Paul and uh, Mike and uh, Ryan Cox and, you know, guys like that. And uh, like, I just brought a guy on this year, uh, Michael Bird, and like, he, he was a great addition to my team. And he brought a new aspect to it that I was learning some things from him where he was also learning from me. And you know, we were growing and I'm excited to bring him back. And then you have like, you know, the, but the Paul Turner that can bring like the happiness to a pit area, the, the excitement, the electricity. And like, he's, he's like one of the guys that it's so much fun having him around and it makes it all fun. And that's what, you know, that's when you ride your best and, you know, that some great, great memories of, you know, Paul working for me. Dude, I've enjoyed Paul for a number of years and I wish I could bottle some of that enthusiasm and sell it. <laughs> Man. I don't know how he does it. <laughs> well, well, yeah, I mean, as you get older, he doesn't he doesn't slow down. He doesn't even call wow. it. Oh, I actually just spoke with him like briefly before we started our conversation here and I was like, yeah, I'm going to talk with Lenny a little bit. He's like, oh, sweet. Yeah, tell him hi and so, hey, like I, uh, I got that number one plate and working on through the R and sorry, sorry, bud, you weren't able to, but <laughs> you want to pass that message on to you. Yeah. He, he rubs that in as often as he can, you know, I mean, that that's one of the few things that I haven't accomplished in my career is, is to win a, a motocross championship in the, in the premier class. Yeah. No, it's your life's not over yet. So. <laughs> yeah, but the opportunities at my age get slimmer and slimmer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I can see that, but man, like, look at all the ones that you were a part of. You know, you had your hands in it one way. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I can say that I have spoken to and helped uh, a lot of different people throughout the years and through the industry, and um, that's just as gratifying sometimes when when you get the call back, Hey, I, I thought about what you said and this is what I did and, and this is how it worked out. And, and you know, cause you got to see the results before they called that, that they won 
or they won the championship and uh, uh, it's pretty awesome, you know, and, and Absolutely. I miss, I miss going back East, but there's so much going on on the West coast. It's, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to make the time. Yeah. I, I can definitely agree with that. And like, man, like it was very cool. Like when you guys would come out East with Travis Kane and, and just, uh, who was the other rider? I can't remember. Um, we had Tavis and we had uh, Spader and Spader. Uh, yeah. The guys yeah, throughout Spader. the years, Eichner used to come out there with us. And yeah, like that was really cool. Like you guys always had like very, very clean machines. And like, I know my, one of my good friends I grew up racing, racing with and a great friend today, he, he had one of your guys' 265 power valves on there. And I was like saying that he had, you know, and that was very cool that you guys were, uh, engi- engi- your ingenuity with that and like your tuning, you know, that was, that was something you guys had to be proud of. Well, we still do it every day. And, uh, you know, we were talking about the fuel injection carburation, carbureted thing. And I'm finding as well as my brother is that tuning a carburetor is almost a lost art. There's not that many people out there that do it anymore. No, do it well. You know, that's, that's a big thing. Yeah, I get into some deep theory conversations with people sometimes and they just don't, they don't get it. They don't understand. I mean, honestly, I, I wouldn't understand because I wasn't very good at it. And man, like, it'd be kind of cool to sit down and really dig into that and like hear more about it. But you are. This is the part yeah. you're missing. You are good yeah. at it. You just don't realize you're not putting the pieces together and this is why. You're yeah. overthinking it instead of feeling it. You you know what the you know what the best dyno in the world is? The seat of your pants. Sitting on it. Sitting on it. <laughs> Tells you everything you ever want to know. Yeah. You tune shocks, right? Oh yeah. That's beyond harder than tuning a carburetor. I mean, I'm I can actually uh I see on that same wavelength because Whenever we do our dyno tuning, I'm always the last one on that machine on the track. And that's our final tune of me tuning it myself. Exactly. We get a, we get a close to the dyno and then I do the final stuff with my, with my input and my, my feel. And, and I think that, I think that's one of the things that's lost in translation. The dyno guys are so smart and they do some pretty amazing things but you still have to roll them out onto the, onto the surface and ride them to make them perfect. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, I can see by the grin on your face, you know, <laughs> Oh, I know it really well. I know it really well. Cause we I'm can not- go out there and that thing, that thing can ride it. And like, yeah, it can be like so radical and feeling, but you got to have something that has rideability and it's right. And that's my final stamp on it. That being said, the rideable, the rideable package is always the better package because you got to be able to hold on to it. Absolutely. And, I've and, had a lot of conversations with uh, younger, younger riders and their parents. Be like, "Hey, we need more power. We need more power." Um, and you got to be able to ride the thing for, especially for us. You got to be able to ride it for, you know, the twenty minutes plus and. You got to be able to do it well the whole time. And and I think that 
I think people lose the, they don't understand the art of being able to ride a machine. Yes, it's got to be powerful, but if you're not getting straight ahead drive and you can't get it to move where you want it to be, what's the point of all that horsepower? Not certainly. You know, our, our claim to fame is not building rocket ships that are the fastest thing in the world. It's building yep. rideable, usable horsepower that gets you to where you want to be. That's, uh, it's something that, I mean, that's something that's hard to like, everybody likes to brag about what they have. And, you know, you got to have some, like my, my stuff isn't always the fastest stuff, but I know it's going to make it that whole race weekend. And it's going to be a something that I can ride and I'm going to know very well and I'm going to have confidence in it. I, I have a, a little story for you. That one of the greatest things that I ever remember is we were racing the stadium stuff after Mickey's went away and we were racing in uh, um, Nevada, in the silver, silver bowl. Okay. And the big thing was three thirty cylinders at the time. Well, we took Travis Spader there and Doug Eigner there on standard bore cylinders. Spader won, and Eichner got 10th, but he crashed. He was inside the top five when he crashed, but he, he worked his way back to 10th. And I remember during teardown, um, you know, everybody was always secretive, and they're hiding their head, and they're doing all this stuff. I pulled the head off that thing and went, oh, my God. My you can barely see my piston. It's so small. What's up, guys? And Mark Baldwin and Curtis, and there was somebody else standing there. And you could just see how pissed they were that this little bit of standard bore piston and they all they had these giant monster pistons in there. Some of those guys probably don't even remember that moment, but, but I was pretty stoked that day. And like, <laughs> that's really cool. But like, it's kind of funny that they would do a teardown when you're running three thirties. Like what's the reason of the teardown? St uh, standard rules for the series. Top really? three rules had to come apart. You know, and the fourth person had, and fourth place had to be sitting there. You know, wow. it, was just, it was just the rules. I mean, I think I think tech for a lot of the series should happen. You know, Absolutely. you know, every once in a while, tearing a guy down or tearing the top three down um, keeps everybody honest. Oh yeah, and like it, it's it's kind of non-existent for us right now like yeah it takes a little more time and effort to do that and the manpower but i think it needs to be done randomly i don't care i don't care who they pick but like i think they should do it and like hey yeah we got to make sure we're on the straight arrow we're not flexing or bending the rules you know doing that you know and that's very important i follow you with that i i apologize for not knowing this rule and i should uh what gas do they let you guys run so it's a, it's a minimum like a oxygenation level. And it's, I believe it has to be under 3.0 oxygenation level. But right. um, like I run uh, like the pro six. Okay. BP. And you have no issues with it. No, no issues with it, especially the fuel injection. You're, you're not, you don't have the, the fuel sitting in the line and getting hot and, it's um, it's always been a very consistent deal for us. That's awesome. 
So is there any tricks you could give me that, uh, that would help the, the younger riders? Uh, I know that you're, you've been working with Max and Max had nothing but amazing things to say about your guys' programs. Yeah. Like I think the biggest, biggest thing is just like find somebody that put in your corner that can like help you like a be more personable with like getting sponsors and like, you know, put yourself in front of the right people and not burning bridges. And that's the hardest thing like these days where some of these riders, like they might come with like from like a well-funded family or something like that. And they have to, they have to know that this is a small group tight knits family of racing and everybody talks to everybody. And, you know, you want to be straight with everybody and be a good person and, just try to be that and always try to strive to be better and don't sacrifice like the relationship to try and get something else. Exactly. That is just, that's so well said and so well put because I, I think the younger writers don't understand how small our industry is and that everybody knows everybody. I think it's really cool. Like with, you know, people that I talk to, they still talk to like, it's a, it's like crisscrossing the United States and the, the world where a friend of a friend. I lost that last part. Okay. Yeah. It's just, it's a very, it's a tighter knit community than what everybody really thinks. And um, it's very cool that how it can be that way. Well, motorsports is a smaller industry than most people think because a lot of the guys that are, that are key in the ATV world are still in the motorcycle world as well. And then the rollover, is yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, definitely. I I know people or know of people. It, it's great. You know, when I tell people that, that you and I have spoke before, before you were a champion, they look at me like, what? <laughs> they, they can't believe that, that, you know, our circle is really that small. Now, like, um, I know, like, back when, like, it was, it was Duncan Racing and Roll Design. Like, you guys always were, like, so tight. Like, you guys still... Uh, catch up with Doug Roll all the time. Uh, the time. I've, been, I've been chasing Doug to get him on the show, um, but he's uh, he's pretty elusive and and's not. Uh, this is really not his forte to sit down and, and have a conversation like this. Yeah, no, like it was, it's been very cool. Like I knew of Doug, you know, back back when, but I really started to like get to know him more when uh, the Phoenix racing Honda team, like was having him come in house and do like some shocks for right. them. And I really got to know him and he, he went to Italy with us for the quad cross of nations. And man, he's a great guy. And I, I really do enjoy like getting to spend time with him. And then also like, it's so cool. Like he has like his avocado farm and stuff like that. And he brings avocados. I'm a, I love avocados. So it's always cool. Like, whenever he came, he would bring avocados over to us. And, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's cool to see some that like it's grown by them and, and, uh, you know, the different, different things that people do. You know, he's a, he's an unusual guy. Uh, (laughs) And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean it in a positive way because he's so smart. One of the things that sticks in my mind about him and, and, you know, Doug and I always haven't seen eye to eye, but it's not because of him. I think it's more because my lack of understanding where he comes from. 
Okay. What changed it for me was we're sitting in the race trailer when the 0405 Honda first came out and he's calculating the shock ratio and the length ratio in his head faster than the shock manufacturer can with a, with a calculator. That's wild. Coming up with a spring rate and already coming up with a different valving in his head before that guy that builds the shock can do it. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty wild. He's got a, a really good talent and smart, smart dude. So it's props to him and we hope to get to see him uh, around some more. I hope so too. I hope to make it back to you guys uh, sometime. I'm hoping that we can schedule an ATV talk trip to come back to a race and, uh, and set up and talk yeah. to you guys. That would be awesome. Definitely. We, uh, we go down to Texas. Uh, it's probably the closest wh- way we get to you. We go there in uh, springtime. So yeah, but might you, to look into it. Texas. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I know it's, it's a long ways away still, but. No, it's not that it's a, I don't think anything's a long ways. I mean, when you, when you've flown in a plane for 19 hours to go to a race, everything's close. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's traveling for, to me is, is part of the fun or part of the excitement. Um, well, well, we're supposed we're due to be going to France in our, uh, I think it's late September for the quad cross of nations next year. So that's an experience that maybe you should jump on there. Well, Hey, if you guys would have me, I should, I would be more than glad to, to go as a, as a media guy with you. And, you know, I've, I've raced a couple of races. So if there's ever a question, I can always throw, throw my hat in the ring. Oh yeah. That's so, cool. You guys, you guys over there, that, that, that is just incredible what you guys do over there and, and the team you put together. Yeah, it's very special. And, you know, I, I've always looked up to like the motocross of nations and, you know, the, just how, how, how strong you get behind like your, your country, like when something like that goes on and it just, it just builds the morale of, you know, your want and, you know, the cool factor. And it's, it's really been fun and we've got some great teams and, a great memories, you know, along the way. And like, how cool is it that we can bring the three best riders over and go to another country and another 20 other countries bring their three best riders and we go at it, you know, like that's, that's so cool. What was it like with, with you and Joel being competitors at such a high level with each other, even Thomas and the three of you come together on a team. Um, How did that work for you guys? Like, honestly, like that was, it's really good because usually when you go to these events, you're there to beat each other, but we go to this event and we're there to help each other and win as a team. Like it's, it's like, I would never go to a normal race and cheer for Joel to race when, when he's out there. Basically the gist is, is that you were cheering for him hard to win, waiting for your next round to go. And he was cheering for you. Yeah, we hit a rough spot. Is that any better? Yeah, now it's better. Uh, you were talking about Mark Baldwin and, and a couple okay. other people I missed. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, like, the people that are really behind that is, like, Harv Whipple. He's a referee here in the 
I would call him like basically head of uh, Team USA AP Motocross. And he does so much work getting the sponsors for that event. And Mark Baldwin, he handles the container. And, you know, there's a lot of people that really jump in and like help out for that event because how special it is to represent your country. And you want everybody to do well. And it's very special to have passionate people behind us that, you know, are in those places. It is, it is. And, and the whole, the whole ATV community is behind you guys. And, and uh, I love it. I mean, I, granted, I'm bleed red, white, yes. and blue, so. <laughs> <laughs> Better believe it. It, it, it. You know, I mean, the best, closest I've got to it is, is going over in 93. I was, I was one of the mechanics on the team that won the very first rendezvous for the United States. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, like, I've done that event once, and I really enjoy it. I hope to be able to do it again, and. And that's that's very cool that you guys had, had won that event. Yeah, we, it, it was a, a United States based team. Yes, it was uh, Doug Eichner and Mark Earhart. Oh, awesome! Well, Eichner's got a record over there of seven wins. Holy smokes! And all on a banshee. All what? All of them on a banshee. Really? <laughs> I don't know if I'd want to ride a banshee for that long. <laughs> well, it, you know, it, the work that they did setting that bike up and changing the way that it would work and the power delivery that, that Lauren gave it. Um, I think that you would have probably have enjoyed it, especially in that environment. Yeah. yeah. Right. Just a Banshee that I rode was not, uh, definitely not on that level of what they had. That's for sure. I did. I think with the since suspension technology that we have today, I think they could make it even better. Yeah. I bet. It's, it's, it's everything evolved so much and has evolved in the last 10, 12 years uh, to make it so much better. So I got a really cool story for you. Um, my gym, I've kept every single one of my championship winning machines and I took all the machines downstairs and we, I, I had a forklift that we had and we, we had it up on the deck and we took every single machine down and it was so cool to see I was loading them up and then watching them go down and I could like see the differences in each one of those machines and how they evolved throughout the nine years or eight years that I rode those machines, like bang, bang, bang. Unbelievable. Yeah. So it was really cool to, Cause you know, sitting there like in the corner or sitting there like in a line, like you don't really like digest that. But like when they were like, each one was like separated and out there in front of you, like it was like, wow. Like, but my favorite machine is still my, my first one, my 2012 championship machine. Like that one was like, we put in so much work to that, we we got the machines in January and we did not start testing until February and we raced in the end of March. Wow. And you Everything put it all brand together. new. Yeah, we put it all together and we won it that first year. We won five straight, you know, so it's like whole like this that's, amount of work that we put in for that first year, it's very incredible. 
Well, that laid the foundation for your, for, for where you are now. Yeah, no, it's, and we don't shy too far away from it. We just try to improve little things here and there. And like, to be honest, I rode that same machine, that 2012 machine just made little tweaks to it all the way up until 2016. That's when we started to like get a lot bigger jumps to make it even better. All the way up to 16, those sports four. We were, we were so far in front of those guys and then they started to catch up. Well, they did, they did some big ground gains on the Honda for a couple of years and then they seem to have lost, they, they seem to have lost their magic. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's like one of those things, like sometimes you can go so far and then you might take a step backwards and not notice it. And that's yeah. like one of those things that, you know, it could have happened or we just progressed our stuff and they haven't been able to make that jump with it again with the Honda. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of a bummer, you know. I mean, we grew up, you know, riding Hondas and leading Honda. You know, we've won a lot of championships with with Yamaha as well. But we just grew up. My dad was a Honda certified mechanic and worked at a Honda dealership, so you know, it was always Honda, Honda, Honda. You know. Yeah, it's I think that's a lot of things with a lot of these, you know, families that grew up racing. You know, growing up in the eighties and. The Honda is one of the coolest things, and I mean, how cool was it when they came out with the TRX 450R? Like everybody had to have one of those things. Yeah, and I mean, the, the the game changer wasn't that Yamaha. That Yamaha 450, the first the carb version, that's a cool bike. Yeah. Oh yeah, nothing like that fuel injected bike. No, nothing like it, and like man, like. There's a lot of people that bleed red out there. That's for sure. You know, I still do, but I don't. I tell you this: winning the 2018 uh, works title on a Yamaha was was pretty fulfilling, and, and that package took a long time to develop. Um, but you know, I'd have to say 18 for me was probably one of the greatest years I've ever had racing. That's. That's awesome. And I've done some work. I've done a couple of works races and those things are no joke. And, you know, props to those guys and how, how much, I know how much work it takes to, to win the races that I do. And I never won a works race. So, you know, props to those guys and they're, they're specialists at what they do. Just like, just like the most of them, you know, I know Bo's been back and raced the motocross with, with you guys. Uh, you know, he, he got in the top 10, but he was never, he was never a contender. Dustin Nelson came back there and rode. He was in the top 10, but he wasn't a, a front contender. Um, yep. I mean, a lot of the guys, okay. had, you know, Eichner rode back there. Uh, 97 was his last year. And, and uh, he did well in the, in the motocross series. He won three open class championships. Oh yeah, I know that whenever we went, whenever I went out west to race, I knew that those guys. I was going in their backyard, and they had the confidence that they were going to go out and win. And it didn't didn't matter who you were; like you weren't going to come into their backyard and try and try and beat them. And you know they they were always always race strong out out west. How much of a bonus was it for you? to work with 
the other factories and the other models that you rode bringing yourself into the Yamaha? I learned a lot, like, because we had to develop, like, every single machine that we got on, we were developing it. And, like, so it, it like, fast-forwarded us. When we got to the Yamaha, we were like, okay, let's try this, this, and this, and see what it does. And, like, it was like, oh, yeah, the machine likes that. So we weren't, like, we knew what could really help it, you know, by like dimensions of the machine and getting it to where like we get it to a certain length, a certain width, you know, and everything like that. So like we, we learned so much throughout all those machines and we took it to this next machine and like, we were able to nail things so much faster than going through like the brutal testing of like everything. We knew that there were things that worked and we knew, things that didn't work and you and that came from all the years of testing you know that you oh did. yeah definitely I, I i gotta ask this question what was it like to ride a can-am you know the machine actually like handled really well like the the rear end on it was like it handled really well it soaked everything up like the can-am was like in race prep, the machine was actually really good, but like you had to change everything. It wasn't just like slip a exhaust on it or put a arm and shocks on it. You had to touch everything on it to make it like a top, a top level machine. So for the independent guy, it increased the cost of racing astronomical. Oh huge huge and like those guys they 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 thought outside the box and building that machine and you know props to them and i think a lot of manufacturers learned some things from what they did and it's it was one of those machines that it's kind of like an exotic machine i guess you'd say and like it was pretty cool that i got an opportunity to work with them and i learned a lot through those guys and you know it really helped propel me to my where i'm at today what do you what do you think the uh of the hybrids like honestly like i i grew up racing you know some hybrids and stuff like that and like at this point in time i feel like it's not the answer for like atv racing because there is still yamaha making uh, a production machine so you want to try and keep them happy and keep them in uh, sport because i think when there's one there there's hope for more but if there's none there it's hard to get anybody to, to step into that and get back into it yeah i think if, if they go hybrid it's gonna it's gonna dwindle the amount of people that can race yeah it's it's a high 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 dollar high expense you know, thing. And I think ATV racing doesn't need to be that. It needs to be everybody go out there on like similar equipment and go, go race. Let the best man win and not the guy that has the deepest pocketbooks. Yeah. in some series, that's what it is, is the deepest pocket wins. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's a part of racing and hopefully, uh, you know, 
our racing will continue to progress and we'll be able to uh, have somebody else step in the, you know, like my shoes and keep it progressing. I, I think it's gonna, I think it's gonna go good. Um, I think it's going to continue. I believe with the, as horrible as the pandemic is, I believe there's a resurgence in riding and getting people out in the environment. There were so many kids that were on the internet and not leaving the house because mom and dad were, were working too much, but now they're out riding. They're, they're either riding two wheelers yep. or quads or whatever it is. And I, and I believe that you're going to see a love of off-road racing again. That's, that's what's needed. You know, getting kids out outdoors, doing the things that are fun outdoors and, you know, enjoying us quality time. You know, that's a family thing that you can do. Uh, I mean, in the ATV family and the friends that you have, you've made friends from different portions of the country that you would have never, if you didn't delve into the ATV racing and you'll be friends for life. Absolutely. And I think it's so cool. Like, like how you guys, like everybody goes to like Glamis and the different dunes and you know, that's like a true family thing that you can do. And really everybody can do it. You can go out there on a side-by-side, you go out there on a four wheeler, a dirt bike, a sand car, whatever. Like you, like that's something like, I wish we had something more like out back East in the Midwest that, had a place to go to like that that everybody can go to and really enjoy. And I'm sure those are the memories that you'll never forget. Oh, we've done a lot of things. And if you want to hear a little story of mine, my daughter, Valeria, my wife's, my wife's youngest had never been to the sand dunes. And, And Valeria is a key member of my team for ATV talk. She's edits and, and, uh, lays out a whole bunch of the planning so that this can happen. Uh, her and uh, her brother were ones that started messaging you that got us all going because they used the work phone and the, the Instagram account. But so she'd never been to the dunes. And last weekend, my brother's birthday, we all went to Glamis to celebrate. So I borrowed Randy at GPRs, the steering dampener company. I borrowed his Yamaha 1000 and uh, first time out in the dunes, I rolled it over with her in the car. (laughs) Well, fortunately nothing happened to the car. Nothing happened to us. So we were all safe, but it was just the experience. I gave her the full e-ticket ride, ride off. (laughs) What'd you think? Uh, She thought it was great because she didn't realize how catastrophic that could have been. You know, because we just had a super slow rollover, and uh, yeah. she got to ride with uh, um, Brian Fuller, who used to race three wheelers at the nationals. Uh, she got to ride with him in his car uh, later on that day, um, so she got the full experience that we could give her, and it was a lot of fun. You know, seeing the big green nice. space. We ran into a bad spot. I hope you, if you can hear me, I can hear you now. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty exciting. That's what I said. Uh, no, I didn't. No, I like, I just remember like the first time that I went out to the dunes, like seeing like how tall they were, how big the dunes were. And like, it's just a rider's paradise. And 
I wish we had that closer to us. Well, you got to make sure to take a trip out when you have time and bring your son out to the dunes. And, uh, oh, man. That'll definitely happen. That's awesome. That's so awesome. I know you're probably getting close to your destination, and I've taken up a lot of your time. Uh, please tell your, your lovely wife and your son that I appreciate you uh, coming and talking with us and, and giving up your time. Uh, it, you, you, you're an amazing guy. And I wish you the best and, and, uh, eight, nine, 10 championships down the road. Uh, I hope you keep in touch with us so that we can uh, talk more and because I know you have more stories in you. <laughs> Definitely. And, uh, you know, Lenny, thank you for having me on and I've really enjoyed this time and it's made my drive go by that much faster. And, you know, it's always good to talk about the past and the present and what we have in the future. And, I look forward to, you know, catching up with you some more. That'd be awesome. Anytime that you have something that you want to talk about or anything that's going on, don't hesitate. You have all of our contact information. I will need some things from you. Um, so when you have it second, I'll send you some information uh, via email and uh, you can uh, reach back out when you have a chance. Um, we're going to get you, we're going to get you logged in as quick as possible. Um, so I'll need those things from you pretty fast. All right. That sounds good. We'll make it happen. All right, brother. Hey, good luck All this right. 2020 and you stay positive. And uh, uh, if you wouldn't mind, uh, if we do connect again, I'd like to know more about your change in diet because that is intriguing to me. I'm, I'm a carnivore, so doing without the, the meat seems like a little strange, but uh, at 54, trying to get some of my youth back, if that's the direction to go, I would, uh, I would definitely like to, to, to learn about it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We can catch up soon. All right, brother. You have okay. a safe drive. And again, I hope your 2021 is as good as your 2020 was. All right. Thanks, sir. Have a good yeah. day. You Bye too. Now. Have a great time. Thank you so much. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com. San Diego's Body Evolution Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, Dr. Heidi looking after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking after your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolutions.org or call for an appointment, 858-571-0160. More than 33 years in the industries building racing programs and ATVs around the world. We build winners. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us on all available platforms and share us with your loved ones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk News. See you next time.